Welcome to week one of our uh, four, four weeks of Equip. Just uh, as a bit of background, if you've never been to any of our Equip weeks, what we do is we take four weeks out um, twice a year from our, our usual midweek groups to all come together and to um, focus on a particular subject, topic, theme. So last time, if you were here, you might remember earlier in the year we came together to talk about prayer and look at what does it mean to be a praying people how do we learn to pray what does that mean and so we we did that Uh, this time round we're looking at spiritual gifts the gifts that God gives you and I gives to the church but particularly in the context of the world out there not necessarily just about us as a church although that's important but how do we use our gifts out in the world to people that are don't know jesus um, to people who are in real need to um, our friends and our neighbors and our workplaces so that's really the the kind of context and raj will talk about that a little bit more as he speaks and uh, our first story of this set of equipped weeks we're going to hear from mariama Good evening, everyone. Hi. Thank you, the elders, for asking me and giving me this opportunity. I'm so blessed to standing in front of you all, the loving family, also the ambassadors of Christ. It's so privileged to stand in front of you. And Angela, thank you for having me in the Southside community group. It's so blessed. Our group is so blessed. It's so, and so we have a really lovely time and we come together, thank you. And also now we miss Neville, but we got Archie with us, which always slower, slower. So that is, yeah, that's absolutely, yeah, that is absolutely doing us very good. Before I was born again, I had little faith. But after I'm born again, I'm on the fire of faith. I got the fire with the faith. But in every day of our life, I don't know what is more important in our life, every day's life, we don't realize. It's our word, what we say. It's so important, it's so important. Whatever comes out from your mouth, that is life and death on our tongue. Then when the, fire is, the faith is on the fire, how can we keep, how can I keep the fire running, with keep my faith so I got the revelation, what I need to do. It's for me, I chose it. It's everybody, God has given your choice, us choice to decide. My choice is, I chose it, God's word is first place and final authority in my life. And Proverbs 4, 20 to 23 is so blessed that it says, My son, attend to my words, incline your ear to my saying, do not let them depart from your eyes, keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and health to all their body. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So I have decided everything I do say or I think 
I'm asking Holy Spirit, help me. I can't do with my power to do everything according to will, will of the God. If I say something good which is placing the God, is placing my church, is placing my family, whatever is, comes out of my mouth has to be placing God. And if it places the God, it places the family around, the friends around, so everything. I just trust in the Lord. Psalms 91, oh, it's so good. I don't come out or go out without sitting down with the way I don't, I can't pray too much, but I can sit long time with reading the Bible or listening to somebody who is really teaching the word of God. I don't, it's my choice. I don't check the mobile, you can uh, shut and say, oh, mama, you need to, I said, no, Sharon, I don't need to see unless I sit with the word of God sometime. So, and so it's, that's the way at the minute because God has blessed me. I've been through many of my problems, but God helped me with the word of God. So Simon asked me to say some testimony about the workplace. As you, many of you know my testimony with the workplace. When the COVID hit, our, play, our uh, nursing home was the first one to lock down and our manager had lots of issues. It's difficult when 25 residents, they used to go out, family visiting. It was hard, people were crying, family crying on the phone, residents crying out, everybody wants to go. So it was so difficult at the minute. When I stood one day, like after a week, I got pain in my heart, I make it very short. I said, oh God, I don't know why, it, they, I didn't hear, I just, I thought in myself. I said, anybody dies in this building, God is going to ask me. I said, oh God, what do I do? I was just talking to myself, I didn't hear from God. So I said, there's few people make fun of me because I always say, praise the God. When I started working in that place, oh my God. I went and complained to the manager. I said, I can't work this place. Everywhere you walk, they swear. Swearing word. You go ask for anything. The word comes out. I said, I can't work. He said, why? I said, oh, I can't. The English culture, I don't think that this is a culture. He said, he said can I say your name? You're complaining. I said, of course, you say complain. So that was, so anybody sees me, you know, they slowly say, quiet, praise the God, you know. They all make fun of me. So it is all right, at least they are saying it. Anyhow, so I asked one friend stood there. I said, I want to pray for this COVID to go. She said, Mariam, I pray. So finally, I got five people to pray with me. And I asked my manager permission. She doesn't pray. She said, you do whatever you want. So we stood there, and the door went out to the door and prayed. So just short story. This is our home is the only home had no death with COVID. And the Northeast, I don't know about the UK, Northeast, no death happened in our care home. That is just asking God, God, don't take anybody with COVID, and he did for us. Then when the COVID, uh, this year only some of our residents got COVID, eight residents got COVID. And I also got COVID then. When I went back, they said, Maria, there were this night staff were crying. 
eight residents got COVID. I said, Mariama, we can't do anymore. We are just so tired. Imagine going, putting the PPE, going each room and going out, and then the bell goes again. You have to go back there. So they were saying, no, Mariam, we can't take anymore. I said, come on, let's stand together and pray. And we prayed again. I said, Lord, no more. And that's it. Eight residents finished. No more had any COVID. So that was, uh, so everybody, anything I do, I pray for everything. So because Lord said, you pray for everything. So I do pray for everything. One time, one of my friends, one of the staff said, Mariama, she knows I go to church. She said, last year it was. She said, you go to church, Mariama? I said, no, tomorrow are you going? I said, I am going. Will you pray for me? I said, what for? She's got an expensive car, and she's very proud of her car. And the, some of the paint came off from the, uh, the car when she parked somewhere. And three months, the car is in the workshop. They said they can't get the right paint. They said it is uh, German made or something. They said they can't find. They can find it is similar matching or something. She said she had an argument with the husband this morning and he, she said, I'm not driving that car with not matching color. She said, Mariama, will you pray? I said, yeah, I'll pray for that. Then, uh, then I thought, why should I wait till tomorrow? I said, come back. I'll pray it now. So she said, and our deputy sat there, he's a Catholic. He said, Mariam, God has got no other, so many other work. You be not be fool asking for God. I said, no, God said, ask anything in my name. I'll do it for you. So we two both stood and prayed. I said, God, she need the right color for the car. And she can't be driving. She's very proud of the car. And I said, Lord, find the color. It was Saturday. Monday morning, she came in screaming. She got an email saying, Mariama, we got the right color. So, so, so it is so beautiful. Yeah, it is so beautiful. And uh, what happened in my house in the COVID, we had COVID. One time I was coming down. I know our fridge was tired. So I came down and children were sleeping. And I said, I opened the fridge and the fridge is dead. I said, oh my God can't go to the shop also, what do I do? So I told the fridge, fridge, listen. <laughs> yeah, listen, it's, it's COVID, I can't go to the shop. I said, I know you are tired. I said, I know you are very tired. I, I, I've been planning to buy a new, new fridge. I said, you have to start working, I got no choice, you got to start working. I will buy a uh, fridge and give me a little time and you start working. I went upstairs and came back after a few hours and it started working. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> praise the Lord. That's, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yes. Yeah. Then uh, when, uh, when it was the COVID, our, uh, we, uh, we have to write and give all the medical problems. We had to because uh, some with the medical conditions, we couldn't work in the care home. So I had the medical condition. I used to suffer from sleep apnea. I was using the CPAP machine. So my manager said, oh, Mariama, you're not allowed to work when you go to CPAP. I said, oh, what's that? I did nothing. I'll... Bindu was not very happy. She said, Maria, you mom, you're not to work. You shouldn't be working with the CPAP machine. You are a high risk for getting the 
COVID. I said, oh, it doesn't bother me. So on my risk, I told my manager, I will work. And whenever I was listening also online, some prayer meetings and all, few people prayed saying, oh, whoever has got slip apnea, it is healed. So I said, oh, that's for me, that's for me. I used to take several times. When then I realized, when I've been asking my family, do I snore? Then I said, no, mom, you're not snoring. When I went on holiday also last year, I asked my sisters, they all used to, because I snore very bad. No, you're not snoring. So I said, oh, you're without a sip-up machine. And thank God, I'm healed. I'm healed from the sip-up knee. And I've got no more sip-up machine. So even though with the COVID and high was high risk, I chose myself to go for the work. And God has healed me with that also. And, um, and also what happened with the, in our workplace, one of the residents came to die only. She was very ill because the, from the hospital, they discharged her. And she's been there for a few months and she picked up very well. Then she got the COVID. And um, what happened, the family brought the COVID and gave it and we didn't know. Then finally staff started having the COVID and we realized this uh, lady has got the COVID. And she's a very, very ill lady, 35 kilo only. But she was eating, drinking, but the COVID was not giving her any problem. She got over from the COVID. Then I was thinking, we didn't do any special prayer for her. Or we still, whenever I have friends, or if every day I stand in front of the door and go prayer, then only I go inside. I said, Lord, how come uh, he's, she's got over? The family was phoning every day. They thought, it is, that's it. She got COVID. She's going to go. And she survived from the COVID. And I was thinking, what happened? So when we prayed, when we, we and friends prayed together, I asked the Lord, don't take anybody from this building with the COVID. I for, we forgot about that. But God had agreed with us that he won't take anybody with the COVID. That's why I realized, oh Lord, thank you Lord, because you, we asked and he said he agreed with us and he didn't, that's what I said. Oh, because the family couldn't believe how come she survived. But God hasn't forgotten our uh, prayer. He answered all our prayer and uh, yeah. So everything, whatever is God has done for me, it's miraculous, it is. And final authority for me is word of God. And everything, I pray for everything. And I, it doesn't, God said, ask anything. Jesus said, ask anything in my name. I will do it for you. Ask anything. And you ask anything, God will do for us. And thank you for giving me this opportunity. And appreciate everything. And friends, this, when you get this time to come together, don't sit at home. It's a beautiful time to come together. Yeah, you don't realize how blessed when we come together. It is so blessed. Don't miss this any opportunity to come together. Thank you. Thank you, Mariama.
Okay, so we're going to hear from Raj, who's going to speak to us now. What you need to do in this is, if you've got your participants' guides, you might just want to write down things and little notes of things that Raj says or questions that you want to discuss or ask in your discussion time. So be thinking as you hear, what am I going to... What, what can I ask in the, in, in the discussion time, or what can I say? Because um, I think there's going to be loads to be able to discuss. Don't get too excited. There's probably not very much you're going to want to write. Um, <laughs> what was I going to say? Um, isn't Mariama amazing? Isn't Mariama amazing? What faith. Um, that's two people now in our church who've played, prayed for fridges, and they've got better. Uh, oh, no, actually, no. Shirley prayed for a boiler, didn't she? Sorry, not a fridge. Um, Misha, um, our, our guest at our house, um, said, this lady really must pray for Ukraine. <laughs> there you go. Um, <laughs> so, um, uh, most of you know me, I'm Raj, hello. Um, great to see all of you that are out tonight. It's brilliant that you've made the effort to come. Um, not because, obviously, today's about spirit, these next few weeks are about spiritual gifts, but it's not great that you've all come so that eventually we're going to go back home uh, today or over the coming weeks and we'll go away thinking, here's my spiritual gift, or worse still, gosh, I came away with quite a few spiritual gifts, not like Simon. Um, a kind of, sorry, Simon a kind of uh, spiritual party bag or something at the end of a fun experience. That's not, don't hear me wrongly, I do, I do want God to change us. I think the prospect of a church fully functioning in all of its gifts is an amazing thing. That's great. But what I'm probably most excited about over these weeks, as we've had in previous um, equip groups, is how we come away having encountered God much deeper and how that encounter plays out in our day-to-day -day lives in the world around us so I want to encourage you in these next few weeks relax we're going to have fun together we're going to enjoy each other's company but be open to receive the spirit of God um, over these weeks and if that's an unusual term for you a lot of us will be used to that but if that's an unusual thing for you it's not weird we're not going to all get weird on you but it's just that 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 coming to god saying look i trust you that's what i mean by that and he will do the rest you make one step he'll make 10 okay so let's come with that attitude so what are spiritual gifts i'm just going to give you a little opener uh, this this after this evening so what are spiritual gifts spiritual gifts in the bible are abilities that God empowers uh, in us through the Holy Spirit that are used in the ministries of the church. Notice I didn't say ministries in the church. They can be in the church, but of the church. In the Bible, these gifts are very broad-ranging. Uh, they can be natural abilities, natural abilities like teaching or showing mercy or even administration. Gosh, that would be a great gift, wouldn't it? But there can also be more miraculous or miraculous gifts that seem less related, if you like, to our natural abilities. Like prophecy, healing, distinguishing spirits. The big point, though, is that the church, in her great commission to the world, needs 
All of them. Yeah. And God gives them to each and every one of us for the common good of the church. And for that common good to be a light or a city on a hill in the world around us. Such an important thing. The wonder of the gifts are not in the gifts themselves. Some of them seem very ordinary. Um, But rather, what makes them extraordinary is the gift giver. God, the Holy Spirit. Uh, The point of the gifts is not to bring fragmentation or rivalry or competition uh, in the church, but rather to to bring a unity and fruitfulness and together and a kind of common, a sense of common purpose, bringing the joy news of Jesus to everyone everywhere. These gifts, the Apostle Paul calls, manifestations of God, the Holy Spirit. In other words, they are evidence, if you like, of God, the Holy Spirit, being present among us. God is not a figment of our imagination, is he? He is real. The other thing that I, wanna, uh, I want you to marvel about, these gifts are here to marvel at because God gives them. These, uh, um, so to marvel about, about the gift giver is how diverse and different these spiritual gifts are. So look at this list. Notice I, uh, this, is my, this is my PowerPoint. <laughs> don't know how I took the photo. I was kind of like, ah. Uh. Um, so look at this list. And it's, it's, it's actually not an exhaustive list either. Yeah, Uh, theologian Wayne Grudem writes this. It seems that in general, Paul was almost randomly listing a series of different examples of gifts as they came to mind. So there's more. Uh, And in such a diverse church as ours, their expression will look very different as well. My hospitality will look different from your hospitality. My teaching will look different from your teaching. My way of evangelism will look different to your way of evangelism and so that in that diversity of gifting which remember are manifestations of God the Holy Spirit we see by this diversity of gifts the multifaceted nature of God himself much more beautifully through the different gifts throughout the church expressed in so many people we get to see a bigger God than we saw before. And that's really important. The gift giver. Gordon Fee writes this, in the case of the Spirit, we are dealing... By the way, oh no, you won't get to that yet. In the case... Gordon Fee writes, in the case of the Spirit, we are dealing with the essential matter of Christian experience. The only worthwhile theology, after all, is one that is translated into life. Our understanding of the Spirit is ultimately a matter of lived-out faith. For the early church, the Spirit was both the evidence of God's great future for his people had already made its way into the present, right here, right now. But it was also his guarantee that God would conclude, bring to a finish what he'd begun in Christ. Thus, the Spirit is foundational in our entire experience an understanding of our present life in Christ. Yeah. So with that introduction, let's dive into one of the most famous passages, one of the famous passages about spiritual gifts, 
Uh, what, and what I would like to do is just to this, this evening, just to pull out a few words or phrases which I think will help us set the scene for the next few weeks. Um, today's about giving you a context, if you like, um, of spirit, the context of spiritual gifts in the church, which, as we've said already, and I've said it and I'm going to say it again, the context is the presence of God, God the Holy Spirit, and what that looks like amongst us. So, uh, one of my spiritual gifts is not using PowerPoint, and my uh, Apple died today, so um, I tried to use uh, PowerPoint, and this is what it looked like. Very exciting, very exciting. Um, so, Romans 12, 1 to 9. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing perfect will. For by grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Here we go. That was a preparation for this next bit. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance to your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. It is, if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. All of that before is related to all that bit that came next. So, Firstly, if you pull out a few words. Firstly, therefore. Yeah, really important word. Spiritual gifts operate in the context of the gospel of God. Okay, that little word therefore might seem small, a small word to you, but it, it carries a lot of punch. You see, this therefore is talking about the last 11 chapters of Romans, which is an amazing book. Um, Paul has taken us through the gospel in the, in the utmost detail, how it changes everything, how you cannot live the same because of what God has done in your life and makes real by his spirit living in you, that you're a new creation in Christ. These are the things that Paul has been um, talking about. The old has gone, the new has come, that you are justified by faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. That in Christ, God has flung open the doorway to a new life in the Spirit. God loves you through and through, and the Spirit makes that known. Nothing you can do will ever change that. That's what the therefore is there for. Yeah? So therefore. Therefore, secondly, I... Therefore. Therefore, secondly, I urge you... Look at this PowerPoint. Are you impressed? All the beautiful pictures... Couldn't figure out how to do pictures on PowerPoint. Anyhow, I urge you, spiritual gifts operate 
in the context of intimacy and presence, the presence of God. The Christian life is not primarily what we can do for God. It's not about how we have to perform to please God. It's not about living a life based on a set of rules and regulations. It's primarily about our relationship with God. And this heart to seek God is birthed in us by God himself. We don't do that naturally. Like all desires, it's not something that can be legislated or forced, but rather it grows within us as we become more and more exposed to God's goodness, his nature. He creates an appetite um, in us, in us, for himself by lavishing us with the reality of his good gifts and his greatness, his irresistible glory. Is that how you see God? Is that how you see God? And so here in Romans 12, the Apostle Paul here isn't urging you to go shopping for spiritual gifts. I've seen lots of little conferences or whatever on that. It isn't urging you to go shopping for spiritual gifts, but rather he is urging you, pleading with you, actually, that word says, begging with you even, to come to God in intimacy, forgiveness, in received righteousness, in confidence, knowing that through Christ, all that God has accomplished on the cross makes you holy and pleasing. That's the starting point. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, still sinners, Christ died for us. Thirdly, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters. Spiritual gifts operate in the context of unity. This new sibling relationship amongst believers is rooted in our adoption. Yeah, we are the children of God. We're, you know, God is our king. Yeah, we are children of the king. John 1.12 says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave them the right, the right to become children of God. Now, I know this brotherly, sisterly closeness might sound a little bit wonderful to you and me, and it is. But as brothers and sisters, there is both great joy and great tension. Have you noticed that? In Turkey, I noticed often the Iranian community would have disagreements with one another, probably a bit more disproportionately than the rest of the crowd. Sarush would be regularly on the phone sorting some relational conflict out. They would fall out with one another, and some of us could look at that from a distance and think, gosh, that's not very Christian. Why can't they be like us and behave properly? But the difference between their community and our community here is that theirs, and I'm making generalizations, of course, is that theirs is one of greater closeness. That's what I saw. Living out of each other's pockets, seeing each other day to day, open homes, no formal invites, greater interdependence, eating together, communicating regularly. A bit like uh, my own five-person family where brothers and sisters are always falling out, but making up and loving each other in the midst of tension. They didn't choose to be there, but they've got to work it out. 
as the Apostle Paul puts it in Ephesians 4, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you, there it is again, to be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Again, it's a Spirit dwelling in us thing through the bond of peace. God uses close to com community to shape mature and change us. Phil Moore writes, doing life with other people, I love this, always reveals to us the depth of sin which lurks hidden away in our hearts. I find that often. Brothers and sisters drill the gospel into our lives much more than acquaintances. But he, but he has not left us as orphans, has he? In that community he has come to us, the spirit of unity has chosen to make his home in you and me. Four. Four. <laughs> Therefore, blah, 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 offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. It's a living sacrifice, that's what it says, isn't it? Spiritual gifts operate in the context of dying to oneself. Yeah? This is unusual when you really think about it. What is, what's a sacrifice? A sacrifice in the Old Testament understanding of sacrifice, it's the killing of something. Yep. So what's Paul saying here? He's asking us to make our lives a living killing. Bit weird, that. It's a contradiction. It's a paradox. In order to live, something must die, says the gospel. If we are to be good stewards of our spiritual gifts, we need to take our hands off our own lives in some way or another. We need to trust God. In order to live for him, we need to die to ourselves. In the Old Testament times, once the sacrifice was done, it was over. A living, sa a living sacrifice is different. One church leader said, the trouble with a living sacrifice is it keeps crawling off the altar. <laughs> Being a living sacrifice means every day, every hour, every moment, right now, you have to deliberately, consciously, continuously, perpetually offer yourself to him. It's constant. It's never over. It's intense. Yeah? And that jubilee is your true and proper worship. Listen, spiritual gifts without, this is important, spiritual gifts without a submissive spiritual character is like a tire with a puncture in it. It will go flat. Five, Paul says do not, by the way, there's 25 of these, so just, no, no. Five, five, we're nearly done. Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Spiritual gifts operate in the context of faith. This is about being a countercultural people. It's about swimming upstream. It affects all your life, your money, your texts, your Facebook posts, your attitudes towards those who you don't naturally like, your ethics, your work ethics, your parenting, marriage, everything. Romans 8.13 says, If you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if, the spirit, but if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Living a true Christian life should cause embarrassment at the least and persecution at the worst. 
One of the most humbling things that I saw in the, in the Christian brothers and sisters that I met in Turkey was how all of them had lost so much to be a follower of Christ. One man <coughs> moved from Iran to study in an Iraqi university. There, however, he developed a major, major epilepsy and fits and seizures. He was on loads of medication as doctors tried to control these almost daily fits. Eventually, he had to give up his studies and started doing manual labor on, on construction sites. One week, they started working on a local church building, and the pastor of that church befriended him. He heard about his seizures, so he offered to pray for him. In that instant, he was healed. No more seizures. Never again seizures. He came off all of his drugs. He also had access to a Bible, because there you don't often have an access to the Bible. And he read Matthew 17 about how Jesus healed an epileptic boy. And at that moment, he surrendered the whole of his life to Jesus. As a result, his family disowned him. He had to leave Iraq as people realized he had changed and why he had changed. Now that he was able to, again, study at the university, he tried to get back in, but they rejected him on account of his faith. His life got dangerous, and he and his wife fled to Turkey, uh, claiming asylum. Lots of stories like that. Spiritual gifts operate in the midst of a cross-carrying life, a life of hearing God and doing what he says, empowered not by our own efforts, but by God's strengthening and persevering spirit. Six. Next it says, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. This is all preparation for the gifts, by the way. Notice we haven't got there yet, but we're not probably not, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Spiritual gifts operate in the context of humility. You see, without a firm security of who we are in Christ, obedience with humility will always fail. When you're confident in God, you don't need the praise of others. Um, when you're securing Christ, his value pips any other perks of serving him. Do you see that? Our actions are not for personal gain or superiority. Our failures don't condemn us because we know God loves us. It's a win-win situation. The apostle John experienced this firsthand, didn't he? He tried to negotiate with Jesus, if you remember. Let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in glory. Remember that conversation? But in John's final hours with Jesus, he saw the kind of God Jesus really was. John 13. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. And that he had come from God and was returning to God. He got up from the, from the meal, took off his outer clothing. What did he do? He wrapped a towel around his waist and he washed their feet. Humility and gentleness and lowliness to the utmost. Jesus was so saturated by the Father's love that he knew even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. But the reverse is true as well. When the Apostle Paul said, think of yourself with sober judgment, that word sober means accurate. False humility is just as bad. Jesus says, Jesus says who you are. 
1 Peter 2, 9. But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for a calling of a high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work. This is a high calling. What about Romans 8? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who will bring the charge against those whom God has chosen? No one. Who shall separate you from the love of God? Shall trouble, hardship, etc.? Not at all. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors. In Christ, that is who you are. And the Spirit makes that real, finally. In Christ, though we are many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Spiritual gifts operate in the context of love. John Ortberg writes, The yearning to attach and connect to love, to be loved, is the fiercest longing of our soul. Our need for community with people and the God who made us is to the human spirit what food and air are, a food and water, uh, food and air and water are to the human body. That need will not go away even in the face of all of our weirdness. The other very famous passage on spiritual gifts is 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, but sandwiched deliberately. Between them is 1 Corinthians 13, the famous wedding passage of love, on love. Paul is declaring that charismatic gifts in the absence of love achieves nothing, makes us nothing, and gains us nothing. Do you get the point? Love is what makes sense of all these spiritual gifts. Even though this chapter is sung at lovey-dovey weddings, it's actually a warning to the church that spiritual competitiveness must stop. Because God is more concerned about how we do church rather than, um, rather than concerned about what we do as church. Jesus always ministered in love. In fact, often cynical crowds, what would they say to him? See how he loved them. And the context of God's love is 1 Corinthians 12 to 14. And, and the context of God's love in 1 Corinthians 12 to 14 is being, we're going to come back to it and land with it, is being filled with God the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Phil Moore writes um, about 1 Corinthians 13. He says, don't reduce this precious chapter to the sentimental background music which plays at weddings and funerals. It is the marching anthem of God's church in the city. If we don't have love, we don't have anything. And finally, all of those precious words of advice and encouragement and warning, after all, of all, 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 after all of that, Paul tells us we have different gifts, all of us. Now you're ready, says Paul, to receive those gifts. What are they? That's for next week. Let's, let's chat.